It's looking very, very, very bad in Georgia for the Republicans, which means it's looking very, very, very bad for the Republicans in the Senate. Uh, the vast, vast, vast majority of precincts and votes are in now after just a little brief pause, you know, overnight. But, but, but this morning, the, the votes are in. The mainstream media are on the ground interviewing totally real Republican voters to get the pulse of the GOP. There are a couple of reasons why I came today. One, there's a responsibility I have as a citizen of the United States to come out and exercise my right to vote. There's many people around the world that don't have this privilege, so I want to do that. Two, I know that the entire country is looking at Georgia right now as to what our decision's going to be. So I needed to at least make my voice be heard through the exercise, exercising my right to vote. I have been a lifelong Republican. This is the first time I've ever voted uh, for a Democratic candidate just because there are issues regarding our environment, regarding um, taxation, regarding diversity issues and so forth that I think need to be addressed. And I'm hoping they will be with a Senate that can actually help encourage and enact uh, President Biden's policies. Does that guy sound like a lifelong Republican to you? I don't, he's, he's concerned because he really, really wants to raise taxes and quote, diversity issues, whatever that means. I don't think so. Doesn't sound like a Republican to me. Doesn't sound like a serious news report to me. Seems a little bit like a big charade. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Dallas Germanson, who said, what's the difference between a cow and Watergate? You can't milk a cow for 50 years. <laughs> that's, uh, that's true. They're going to keep doing it though. This is, this election was worse than Watergate last night in Georgia. I think that's, that is one thing. I guess a lot of things are worse than Watergate, but that one certainly is. Uh, we've all been stress eating, you know, over the past little while waiting for these results to come in. Now, I guess over a month, we've been sort of stress eating, probably haven't been taking great care of ourselves. That's why it's a great time to go get your beach body. Beachbody On Demand offers over 1,500 at-home workouts plus nutrition plans. So no matter what your goals are, they have a program that'll help you build and keep healthy habits. This is the company behind P90X, Insanity, and 21 Day Fix. Now you can check out some of Beachbody's newest programs like Muscle Burns Fat and 80 Day Obsession. Get motivated by celebrity super trainers that you know, like Tony Horton, Joel Freeman, and Autumn Calabrese. They have trained millions of people how to lose weight, burn calories, and get totally ripped. And I, by the way, I fully intend to get totally ripped. I've been a little bad in terms of the whole exercise thing the past year or so. That changes now. And I'm certainly never going to go to a gym. That's not, that's not what I do. But that's why I love Beach Body. Go check it out. You can try it absolutely free. 2020 is behind us. It is a new year, which means it's time to get in shape. Get a special free trial, no obligation membership. Text Knowles, Canada View LES, to 303030. That is 303030. You will get full access to the entire platform, all the workouts, nutrition information, and support absolutely free. Just text Knowles, Canada View LES, to 303030. That's what I intend to do, and that's what you should do as well. Go check them out. Very much looking like we're going to have Senators Ossoff and Warnock. 
Everyone's been focusing on Warnock because he's a complete lunatic and a socialist who hosted Fidel Castro at his church when he was an assistant pastor and who uh, his wife is ex-wife now, or I guess wife, ex-wife is alleging that he uh, tried to run her over with his car. That is, that dispute is ongoing. And he's just a complete maniac. He said, you can't serve God and be in the American military, right? He's a complete lunatic. However, he, he drives me less crazy than the other guy, John Ossoff, because Warnock is an honest radical. Warnock tells you more or less what he thinks. John Ossoff is nothing. He's just the same thing we're seeing again and again from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and all of the Clintons and all these people. He's a complete empty suit and he is just a vessel for the progressive bureaucracy. He, his most emphatic campaign point was that we need to listen to experts. <laughs> so got a, more Fauci. That's what, he's just a total contrivance. He's like the Beto who could. He is. He, he and, and Beto O'Rourke, they're, and to a lesser degree, Pete Buttigieg, they're all the same person. They were just built in a lab somewhere by the Democratic establishment. And they, you have to up, update the software every so often. But, but their function is to be a vessel for for that establishment. That said, we're, we're talking about some other problems with maybe the election. Was the counting all done on time? How did the votes break at the end? I think it is worth pointing out Leffler and Purdue are not great candidates. Uh, Purdue less so. Purdue, you know, Purdue's okay. Leffler did not run a great campaign. Uh, I had a feeling this would not work out well for Republicans. I have been saying it for days now. I, I didn't think we were going to win. Uh, I actually flew down to Georgia to try to help campaign a little bit. I, I rarely hit the campaign trail, but I thought it would be important to win these races. And uh, on the ground there, it didn't feel like the Republicans were going to win. That's kind of beside the point to me. I don't really, I'm not even thinking today about the Georgia race. I'm barely thinking about the Senate. Uh, well, we, there'll be plenty of time to think about all the insanity that the Democrats will foist on us in the Senate. I'm thinking about elections more broadly. I think the reason why people are very discouraged here is not even because of all, you know, packing the court or adding new states or ending the filibuster or whatever other nonsense the Democrats want to push on us. It's because people don't have faith in the integrity of the elections. And that's not because of kooky conspiracy theories. And that's not because of international cabals necessarily. It's because of very simple things that the left has done, which have undermined the legitimacy of our elections, namely expanding election day into election season with far, far less oversight and mainstreaming the use of mail-in ballots rather than being this rare exception. Now that that is the rule and it's mailed out to everybody. Those, just those two changes open the elections up to massive fraud. Democrats have been talking about this for years. Barack Obama was warning about this. Politico magazine, a left-wing magazine was warning about this until the Democrats thought that they could turn it to their advantage. And now all of a sudden it is a natural right we have to unsolicited mail-in ballots. And my feeling is as long as election day is election month, and as long as mail-in ballots are the rule rather than the exception, I will have very little faith in the integrity of our elections. Maybe they'll turn out the way that the voters wanted. Maybe not. There's really no way of knowing. It's, it's just so deeply wrong. It's deeply un-American. It's, it's banana republic kind of stuff. 
and it's really pathetic. Uh, you're going to see a lot of blame game going around uh, for a little while. The, the big culprit you're going to hear is, well, they're, they're all going to try to blame Trump. Of course, we'll get to that in a second. One culprit you're going to hear is Lynn Wood. Lynn Wood is that lawyer who has been saying that John Roberts is part of like a child rape murder conspiracy and the voting machines are all rigged. And Lynn Wood is explicitly saying, don't go out and vote in Georgia. I don't really blame Linwood too much. I mean, I, I think it probably costs some votes. I don't think it costs a lot of votes. I think a lot of people who spend their time listening to politics, reading about politics, they spend a lot of time on Twitter. And on Twitter, that's where these sorts of things flourish. I don't think Linwood cost Leffler and Purdue the election. I think the vast majority of people are not very online, right? They're, they don't spend all their time on Twitter. And I think they were much more concerned with why they didn't get their stimulus bill, their, their stimulus checks rather. I think they were much more concerned with why there were so many improprieties during the election in Georgia, the, uh, the November 3rd election in Georgia. Why there were so many improprieties in Pennsylvania for that matter, even nationalizing the issue. I think there was a great ground game. I think the Democrats constructed this system, which I think is rife for fraud. But because of that, they were able to use it very well. I don't, I don't blame Lynn Wood. It's easy to blame him because he's, he's kind of kooky, but uh, I, I don't think that's it. A lot of people are going to blame Trump. It's all Trump's fault, right? That to me is completely preposterous. On election night, on the actual election night, November 3rd, when Trump was on the ballot, Trump not well, first of all, we'll put the presidential election aside for a second. The Republicans outperformed all the polls. When Trump was on the ballot in 2016, when Trump was on the ballot in 2020, Republicans outperformed all the polls. A lot. Look in the House. We were supposed to lose seats in the House. We ended up picking up, what, 10 at least? And did better in the Senate than many people thought until this calamity last night. So hard to blame Trump for that. When have Republicans really been losing? in these elections, in these other elections. 2018, Trump not on the ballot. And last night, Trump not on the ballot. So how are you going to tell me that it's Trump's fault? What you're going to hear is that, that, that Donald Trump discouraged people from voting in Georgia in, in this runoff. That's obviously preposterous. Trump went down and campaigned for them, tweeted out, said, vote in Georgia. Doesn't, doesn't hold up. But what you're going to see is this, this a race last night, these two races last night, exploited between the two factions of the GOP. The one faction of the GOP is going to be the sort of mild-mannered Mitt Romney faction of the GOP. The other faction is going to be the MAGA faction of the GOP. And these, these two factions have existed for a long time. That goes back many, many decades. You, you see similarities in the fight between the Rockefeller liberal Republicans and sort of the Bush Republicans and the Reagan Republicans and the Goldwater Republicans. There's not perfect analogies, but those have been the two, the two prongs, you know, the two kind of polar ends of the, the GOP for a long time. The guys who just want to lower taxes and play nice and go along with the liberal establishment and the guys who want to dig their teeth into the cultural issues. There is another fight going on in DC right now. That the fight going on in DC right now is over whether or not we will certify the electoral college results for the presidential election. And you're going to hear the same people in the Republican party who hate Donald Trump. They're going to say, this is unprecedented. This is terrible. He's upending constitutional norms. You're going to hear a lot of Democrats say that too. This is unprecedented. He's upsetting constitutional norms. 
This is not unprecedented. Democrats do this all the time. Ladies, take it away. President, thank you for your inquiry. It's 2001, it Democratic writing, representative. It is signed by myself on behalf of my diverse constituents and the millions of Americans who have been disenfranchised by Florida's inaccurate vote count. Very Mr. President, I rise on behalf of the Congressional Black Caucus to object to the 25 electoral votes from Florida. I am objecting to what? Uh, no, to we got another one, Jesse Jackson Jr. We're not counted. This objection Didn't that guy go to jail? The hope or even the hint of overturning Here we are, this 2005. the victory of the president. So they're ob- objecting to Bush again. It is a necessary, timely, and appropriate opportunity to review and remedy the most precious process in our democracy. I raise this objection because I am convinced that we as a body must conduct a formal and legitimate debate about election irregularities. I raise this objection to debate the process and protect the integrity of the true will of the people. All right. And it goes on and on. We could play this for several more minutes. Uh, this is perfectly normal. Democrats have been doing it all, all the time now, basically. But the minute that Republicans ever suggest voicing that opinion, goodness gracious, that's an upsetting of norms. You can't do that. The norm is Democrats get to do whatever they want and Republicans have to roll over. Well, sometimes if you want to make some political change, you got to do it yourself. If you want to do it yourself on your own car, by the way, you got to check out Rock Auto. Now, listen, if you go to the brick and mortar shop, you know, you often you're going to get ripped off. Don't do that. Go to Rock Auto. You'll get the lowest prices all the time. You know that I'm not the biggest car guy in the world. So whenever there's a problem with my car in the old days, I would go into some brick and mortar shop and then I would get ripped off and the person wouldn't have my part and they'd go online, probably to rockauto.com. Then they would order it from there and then charge me twice as much rockauto.com makes it so much easier than walking into a store and demanding quick answers to things like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? I don't know what my Odyssey is. I don't even know what those letters mean. Uh, rockauto.com has so many parts for your car or truck. Best of all, they make it so easy to navigate the website that even I can do it. Family owned business for 20 years now. So this is basically as long as Online shopping has existed. Really reliable stuff. Always reliably low prices. RockAuto.com. Go check it out right now. Go to RockAuto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And then write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. You know them. You love them. Go check them out. So this is the, the next battle today. And this battle today is going to take place on Capitol Hill in the Senate and in the House of Representatives. Uh, Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz have been leading the fight in the Senate to object to the certification. And I think there's something like 140 Republican congressmen who are going to object in the House. Probably not going to amount to a whole lot in terms of overturning the election, particularly after last night in Georgia. It's just, just too much momentum. But Eric Trump, the president's son, went on Fox News last night. He has a warning for Republicans in the Senate and in the House who do not defend the president, who do not defend election integrity. He says their political careers could soon be over. I can tell you, Sean, any senator or any congressman that does not, meaning on this side, that does not fight tomorrow, I'm telling you, will not their political career is, is, is over because um, the MAGA movement is going, it's going nowhere. My father's created the greatest political movement in American history. And I'm telling you, they will get primary the next time around and they will lose 
um, if they don't stand up and show some backbone and show some conviction. So in terms of what happens today, probably not a whole lot's going to happen. But by the way, Eric Trump isn't even saying this is going to change the way the election is going. He's just saying, we want you Republicans to stand up. And if you don't stand up, your political careers are over. And on this point, I think he may be right. This is my main takeaway from Georgia. It's my main takeaway from this certification battle. It's my main takeaway from 2018. My main takeaway is the Make America Great Again movement, the Trump movement is here to stay. It's here to stay. Maybe Donald Trump will not be president after January 20th. Probably that's going to be the case. But the MAGA movement is 100% here to stay. However you want to blame the voters in Georgia, I, I would not be surprised if some Trump voters stayed home just like they did in 2018 because their guy's not on the ballot because they like Trump and they don't like elected Republicans. And it's not just a personality thing. I know it's become very fashionable on the right to say, oh, Trump, they only voted for him because he's mean and funny and he's a showman and all that. Sort of. Also, he offered a different political vision. What you had been getting for decades and decades and decades on the right was calls to lower taxes and calls to roll over on all the social issues more or less. You'd, you'd hear some nice speeches about abortion, but Republicans in, in elected office really didn't want to do very much about abortion. Uh, the leaders of the, you know, Mitch McConnell, I don't think he cares very much about abortion. Even, even George W. Bush, he was a, certainly much better on abortion, but he was a little squishy on certain bioethical issues, certain stem cell uh, lines, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and Bush was one of the good ones. More, more usually you got the kind of business Republicans who just talked about changing, you know, numbers on a spreadsheet and trying to fix the debt a little bit and try to fix the deficit a little bit. And then forget about immigration. Actually, not only forget about immigration, you've got to open the borders. It's very good. We need more and more and more immigration. We've got to utterly redefine marriage. We've got to take everything that really matters to us and put that aside so that we can lower taxes or something. That's not going to work. A, a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center yesterday tweeted out a graph, and it's a graph I've seen for a while. Maybe you have too. It's, it shows where political affinities are. So let's say you're very, you know, libertarian and very right-wing or whatever, you know, it kind of shows all, all of the map. And it shows that there are a lot of people who are fiscally conservative and socially or I'm sorry, fiscally liberal and socially liberal, meaning I know those words get kind of mixed up, but they're very far to the left on both economics and on social policy. There's a lot of people down there. Then there's a lot of people who are to the right on social policy, but they're kind of more moderate on economic policy. And then when you look into this other quadrant, which says they're say fiscally conservative, socially liberal, there's basically nobody. And yet the fiscally conservative, socially liberal kind of Republicans dominate in the think tanks. They dominate in the media. They dominate in college dorm rooms. They dominate in sort of young Republican politics, at least for now. They do not represent any voters. (laughs) Nobody is there. And that's why they lose and they lose and they lose. 
The great conservative philosopher Edmund Burke warned us about this in Reflections on the Revolution of France. He said, the age of chivalry is gone, that of sophisters, economists, and calculators has succeeded it, and the glory of Europe is extinguished forever. And then what do conservatives do? They turn right around and become a bunch of economists and calculators. No, ain't going to work, buddy. Got to dig in. Got to dig in on these issues. That's what Trump did. He And he, he uh, overturned some sort of long cherished libertarian policies like free trade at all costs, open borders for immigration. He overturned that. And that's what the voters want. And, and they like him, frankly, it would, it would seem to me since, since the Republicans do a lot better when he's on the ballot than when he's off the ballot, it's hard to conclude anything else. Need to get tougher. A good example of this. How do we transform the party so that it's, it's more in line with the MAGA party? Well, uh, you need to get tougher on social issues. There was actually some good news last night out of uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, the district attorney announced that none of the police officers involved in the Jacob Blake shooting case will face charges. Take a listen to the DA. It is my decision now that I announce today before you that no Kenosha law enforcement officer in this case will be charged with any criminal offense based on the facts and the laws as I will describe them to you now. So it is our decision that no charge will be filed. I'm going to also tell you, just because I think it is important, that, I, that no charge will be filed against Jacob Blake in regards to this incident as well. Uh, that uh, for many of the same reasons, uh, uh, in terms of an overall discussion about this case, uh, that is not something that is something that the district attorney's office intends to pursue. The left is furious. Lots of activist groups are coming out and saying this is a terrible miscarriage of justice. There is a miscarriage of justice here. The miscarriage of justice is that Jacob Blake will not be charged for the crimes he was committing at the time. It's a very good thing that the cops are not being charged. There was absolutely zero reason why the cops should be charged. If you remember that case, uh, the, a woman calls the cops to her house because this guy, Jacob Blake, allegedly came in, sexually assaulted her. He was, was a bad guy. He was trying to take her kids. Uh, he already had a warrant out. Uh, he then, the cops told him, hey, stop moving, stop what you're doing. He wouldn't stop. He kept walking to his car. They tased him. He kept moving. They tased him again. He kept moving. He then goes to his car, reaches for a knife. And only at that point do the cops shoot him. And we were told this is awful. He's an unarmed, unarmed black man. He's, this is a raci racist killing. Nothing of the sort. So it, yeah, it would be good if Jacob Blake were charged and prosecuted. He, he won't be, a, I, politically, I understand why he won't be. The mainstream media are outright lying about this. The Washington Post tweeted out, quote, police officers won't be charged in the shooting of Jacob Blake, an unarmed black man who was shot seven times in the back in Kenosha, Wisconsin. DA says the trouble with the unarmed black man theory is the guy had a knife. Very important. Jacob Blake, while actively resisting, arms himself with a knife. I continue to hear, I, I think I heard at uh, the rally last night, the vigil where someone again said he was unarmed. It is absolutely incontrovertible that Jacob Blake was armed with a knife during this encounter. Absolutely incontrovertible that Jacob Blake was armed with a knife, but it doesn't seem to matter. And, and this is what, something that the left does all the time. 
First of all, you, you probably didn't even hear that fact because the media had been covering it up and, and a lot of them are not even covering that presser. But it, it doesn't matter. Whenever the left constructs a narrative, Jacob Blake's an unarmed black man, innocent, and he was killed by the, or was, there was shot by the cops. Then the facts come out and contradict that. And they say, well, okay, whatever about the facts in this case, it gets to a greater truth. The lie that we're telling gets to a greater truth. They are so taken with their own abstract theories. They're so taken with their own ideology that they will not let reality get in the way of that. And I think a lot of squishy Republicans think, oh gosh, I they must have a point. There must be something to this whole thing. Uh, they must, maybe if we try to be a little conciliatory and meet in the middle, there's no meeting in the middle. These guys are peddling lies and they're lies designed to upend law and order in this country and upend justice in this country. And you got to get tough on it. That is some, at least a little bit of good news out of Kenosha, even as we have to deal with this very bad news out of Georgia and out of the Senate. We have some other good news, which is that the Daily Wire is getting into the culture business. You know, we always comment on these things. We're always telling everybody else what to do. And someone's got to make a Hollywood studio and someone's got to do this and someone's got to do that. Well, we're just going to do it ourselves. We got our first movie coming out, Run, Hide, Fight. It's going to be available to watch on Friday, January 15th at dailywire.com. We're going to be doing a special live stream premiere the night before on Thursday, January 14th on the Daily Wire YouTube channel. Let's kick off 2021 by fighting back on culture, creating our own content. Take a listen. This is high school. Nothing that happens here matters in the real world. Okay, we are in charge now, so please pull out whichever app you use to do live streaming video. Get them up and running and point it at me. Now! Get down on the ground! Any more friends back there? I'm calling 911. Get back to your homeroom and stay put until the... You must be close. You should be ashamed! Very disturbing news out of Vernon Central High School. Zoe. In between breath, take a shot. Head on over to dailywire.com. Become a member before the movie comes out. I have seen the movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Can't wait to watch it with all of you. And then we will be right back with a lot more. I've got breaking news, shocking news. No, I'm not talking about the Senate races in Georgia. I don't really care about that news anymore. It's, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. No, I've got a much more shocking news from NBC. Trans women retain athletic edge after a year of hormone therapy. Study finds. Well, a, a new study suggests transgender women, also known as men, maintain an athletic advantage over their cisgender peers, also known as women, even after a year on hormone therapy. Oh my goodness, you're kidding me. Wow, it would appear that the genius experts with many, many years of medical training, research training, MDs and PhDs, they have finally 
con- concluded a study that shows what people with even a modicum of common sense have always known to be true. Namely, that men are physically stronger than women. Can you imagine? We have all seen in recent years as the gender ideology craze has swept through schools and swept through the culture and and swept through sports, there will be some women's track race and you'll have these two little 90 pound girls and they're running the track race. And then you get some one, some like 140 pound, 160 pound dude who has long hair and who is pretending to be a woman. And wouldn't you know, he always wins the track race. And, and then we all have to pretend like, well, no, maybe he was on hormone therapy and, you know, I don't know, he had some kind of plastic surgery. So uh, maybe it's a fair fight. It's obviously not a fair fight. If you permit men in dresses to play in women's sports, then there's no such thing as women's sports. I'm, I'm not, I don't exactly watch the WNBA. Okay. I'm not like, I'm not, I don't even watch the regular NBA. So the sports thing does not really bother me from an entertainment perspective, but it is deeply unfair, isn't it? I mean, the whole point of Title IX was that women are allowed to have their own sports leagues. And then gender ideology comes in and says, no, you don't. And it's kind of funny because Title IX was at the time considered a very liberal progressive movement. And then it created these women's sports teams and leagues and allowed women to get scholarships and allowed women to get awards and have the glory of playing in games. And then another left-wing movement, a far more left-wing movement comes in and says, actually women, no, you don't get, you don't get those sports leagues. This actually ties back into what we were talking about between the economics obsessed people on the right, you know, just the kind of Mitt Romney, Ben Sass, technocrat types and the cultural fighters, guys like Donald Trump or Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz or the guys who actually lean into those questions. The economics obsessed right wing, the the basically liberal establishmentarian right wing, they don't want to talk about this. What they're going to say is, oh, come on, how many people are really confused about their sex? It's obviously a very sad condition if a guy thinks he's a girl. And so let's just let him look, let's just indulge that delusion, let him compete in the, in the women's track race. And he's obviously going to beat the girls and he's going to take their scholarships and he's going to take their awards, but come on, let's be, it's, it would be nice to him. And frankly, I just don't want to deal with it because I'm over here busy trying to lower taxes and allow multinational corporations to expand and try to open our borders to flood the country with illegal aliens and then give amnesty to them later. So come on, I'm trying to pursue all these really important conservative things. Why should I care if, if boys are going into the girls changing room? Why should I care about that's such a minor issue? It's not a minor issue. And, and by the way, if this were a minor issue, I agree that the sexual confusion uh, affects a very small number of people, although it is spreading like a social contagion. The number of, of uh, Gen Zers, people below the, you know, younger than the millennials who are confused about their sex and gender has skyrocketed in recent years. So it, it, there's both a psychological element, but it also spreads socially uh, to, to varying degrees. Uh, but I agree, it affects a small number of people, except not really. If one boy takes away a scholarship from one girl, that is a political problem by beating her at girls sports. If one guy can go into the little girl's changing room, that is a political problem. Even if it doesn't happen that often, that's a big political problem. If this issue, this, the gender ideology issue were really some minor issue, 
then why is the left spending so much time and so much money and so much energy pushing for it? And when they say, who cares? Well, uh, the left cares. Maybe they care for a reason. Don't forget the whole, this whole bathroom controversy. Can men go into the ladies room? This began because the left in Charlotte, North Carolina decided to allow, to pass a bill to allow men to go into the, the girls room. They were the aggressors in that culture war. When we hear from the, you know, the, the squishy Republican types, oh, give up the culture wars. The conservatives are, are by definition, not the aggressors in the culture wars, right? It, we're trying to conserve things. We're trying to conserve an old standard. The, obviously the aggressors in the culture wars are the radicals who are trying to overthrow those standards and implement new ones. We've got, we should talk about this so much more than we talk about most economic issues. If those squishy Republicans would put one one hundredth of the energy into keeping men out of girls track meets and men out of the girls changing room as they put into trying to keep the stimulus bill from uh, at $600 rather than expanding to $2,000. If they put just one iota of that effort, we would hold the culture. We would be able to construct something like a, a sane and sensible culture. You know, when speaking of cultural issues, I can't, I can't actually can't believe we're talking about this. I never get into celebrity gossip stories, but I saw one. It was trending on Twitter yesterday, and it's in all the newspapers, and it, it actually, I think, sort of matters. Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are reportedly headed for imminent divorce. I, I, I look, I, I don't, I wish them both well. I'm actually very sad to hear this. And I know a lot of other people are very sad to hear this. People seemed actually devastated in the comment sections on social media. And I thought, why is it? You've got a thrice married ex-porn star, Kim Kardashian, married to a very eccentric rapper. Why are people so shocked and saddened that this marriage is coming apart? The reason is because our marriage culture has been so incredibly degraded, right? Marriage rates are at an all-time low. Uh, People often expect to get divorced, even if they're, if they get married, that their marriage actually seemed relatively stable. And because Kanye West is relatively conservative for people in Hollywood, not just because he put on the MAGA hat, but because he goes to church, because he practices religion, because he is vocal about that. Because apparently when he was making that that gospel album, he, he told the, the people working on the album, he said, no fornicating while you're working on this album. <laughs> I thought, whoa, man, this is, this is pretty conservative stuff. I, I get it. I, I, it tells you a lot about the state of this culture that the West Kardashian marriage is something we're all hoping will last as an instrument of stability or as a, as a symbol of stability and true love and all that sort of thing. And I, I do wish them well. And I hope they don't get divorced. It's very, divorce is a very bad thing. They got a lot of kids. And, uh, and as bizarre as their life is, it, it, will, it will somehow degrade the culture even further if they, if they get divorced. I, I, it will, there, there is, I, I don't think that all the fanboys and fangirls who were complaining about this on social media yesterday, I, I think that comes from a genuine a genuine cultural angst. 
We're always decrying the collapse of the culture, especially conservatives. That's sort of our favorite hobby is to say, oh, it's all over. You know, it's the fall of Rome and we've got nowhere to go from here and it's it's all over. I saw a couple news stories the other day that put this into perspective for me. In December, the, the last publicly documented widow of a Civil War veteran died. The year is now 2021. So last month, it's the last month of 2020. And in 2020, the widow of a Civil War veteran died. There was a little bit of an age gap. She was 17. He was 93. But they were married. They, They have the documents to prove it. They were married for a few years before he died. She never remarried also. Helen Viola Jackson died at the age of 101 years. Her uh, husband, Private James Bolin, fought for the Union in the 14th Missouri Cavalry. Uh, she never, he, he married her in, in part because he, he wanted to make sure she was set up for life and uh, to give her his pension. She never applied for it. Uh, and she never remarried, and that was it. Two months before that, the grandson of our nation's 10th president died. President John Tyler, his grandson, died three months ago. Tyler was president from 1841 to 1845. Obviously, you know, Tyler was very old when he had his son and his son was very old when he had this grandson. Nevertheless, this is a very young country. That's my big takeaway from it. This is a very young country. And when we're, uh, this kind of cuts both ways. You're going to hear a lot of sort of squishy types over the next few days say, oh, listen, the, the country has survived greater difficulties than this. Look, you don't need to worry about the integrity of our elections in this country. We're the greatest democracy in the world. You don't need to worry about the structure of our uh, civil institutions. Look, we're a very, we're a strong country, leading country in the world. It's a young country. It's a young country. And things have been good, generally good till now. I mean, we did have a civil war. There were two two world wars. We had massive civil unrest in the 1960s. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's been basically good till basically stable until now, civil wars aside, but it's a young country and a lot of things could still happen. On the other side, you're going to hear people say, look, this is going to get really bad. And if, if Warnock and Ossoff are in the Senate and Kamala Harris is the tie-breaking vote, we're going to end the filibuster, pack the Supreme Court, add new states. They're already talking about it, adding DC, adding Puerto Rico, adding the Philippines, I don't know, adding Guam, whatever. Uh, so that Democrats then have a permanent majority. I mean, these are things that are being openly spoken about it at the highest levels of politics. Those things could happen. I'm not saying they will, but I'm saying they could. This is a young country. The, the, what's driven me craziest about the whole last month or m- month and a half of, uh, since the election is people on both sides talking about how this is unprecedented. This has never happened before. First of all, in a young country, there are going to be a lot of things that are unprecedented and it's not going to stop you from doing them. But also there have been precedents objecting to the certification of electoral votes. That's very precedented. Democrats do it all the time now. And we we had a major constitutional crisis in the 1870s over it, adding new states to the union. For most of our country's history, we've added new states to the union. The idea that we couldn't add a new state now, crazy. The, the reason that it would be difficult to do it now is because it would upset the balance of power in the country. 
much like you saw in the 1850s. And then, you know, what happened after the 1850s. So what do we do now? I think the most immediate thing to do right now, so much of this came because of COVID and specifically the lockdowns. You're going to blame Trump. You're going to blame Lynn Wood. You're going to blame Mitch McConnell. You're going to blame Stacey Abrams. You're going to blame whoever. If not for the excuse of COVID, these lockdowns wouldn't have happened and the use of widespread mail-in votes, which are intrinsically vulnerable to fraud, would not have happened. And the expansion of election day to election season very likely would not have happened. So you've got to end this crazy COVID stuff. And there's a guy doing just that down in Florida who just shut down a CNN reporter, Governor Ron DeSantis, pretty tough Republican down there. He was asked about his COVID policies. He he tried to answer the question, but he wouldn't let CNN filibuster. Governor, what, what has gone wrong with Governor? What has gone wrong with the rollout of the vaccine that we've seen phone lines jammed, websites crashed? It's a lot of demand. I mean, I think at the I, end of the I, day, we, excuse finish, me, excuse if could, me. If I could finish my question, you just said what has gone wrong, so I'm answering the question. If I could complete the question, though. So you're going to give a speech, or you're going to answer, ask a question? With all due respect, Governor, you I'm asked the question. To, I'm, I'm going to answer to it. Finish my you're question. not. No, you're 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 giving a speech. You asked the question. I am trying to ask you the. You're going to ask how many questions? You get three? They only got one question. Why do you get three? With all due respect, Governor, I'm just asking if I could finish my question. You didn't. You finished the question. I did not. My full question is what went wrong with the rollout of the vaccine when we've seen phone lines jammed, websites So you're repeating your question. To complete it for you, Governor, we've seen websites crash and also senior citizens waiting overnight for the vaccine. Where was that at? We've seen it in Duval, Broward, Orange, and Lee County. And why was, like in Lee, why did that happen? Did you investigate that's, why? That's my question to you, Governor. You're the governor of the state. I'm not the governor of the state. Okay, but you didn't investigate why that happened like in Lee County. Why, why was there a big line? Did you, did you investigate why? She absolutely did not investigate. And it turns out it's because the, the, there were, the hospitals did not take reservations and there were people who showed up. And obviously there's nothing the state can do about that. I love this attitude, though, with the media. This is, dare I say it, a Trumpy attitude. And I think one of the reasons DeSantis is being talked about as one of the leading contenders in 2024 is because he's got that kind of Trumpy spirit to him. You know, and it's not just Trump, it's other people too, though Trump most recently embodied it. That is going to be the future of the party or the party is not going to have very much of a future. Now, on this topic of healthcare, on this topic of the COVID vaccine and the rollout and everything. The way CNN wants to spin it is that uh, people are clamoring. They're waiting overnight to get the vaccine. Everybody wants the vaccine and the Republican governors are totally bungling it and forget about it when the Democratic governors bungle it. No big deal. Like in California, New York. No, no big deal. Forget nothing to see here. That's not the whole story though. If you look in New York, one third of healthcare workers who are eligible to get the coronavirus vaccine are not getting it. They don't want to get it. Not just in in New York. If you go to Riverside County, California, half of hospital workers who have been offered the COVID vaccine are choosing not to receive it. And in California, there's a very slow rollout. Only about 1% of Californians have received that vaccine. Even these healthcare workers who I don't think should be prioritized. I think older people who are actually more vulnerable to this virus should be prioritized. I don't think the nurses and the doctors should, but the nurses and the doctors who, who have been offered it 
very often don't want the vaccine. And I don't blame them. They're healthy and young and they don't need it. And the, the threat of this virus on young, healthy people has been extraordinarily exaggerated by political activists and the mainstream media. But I repeat myself. So sure, they don't want it. And, and what's another reason they don't want it? They don't want it because there are side effects. You don't need to take my word for it. You don't, you don't need to take the word of a, a crazy conspiracy anti-vaxxing campaign somewhere. Even NBC admits in a pro-vaccine article, an article that explicitly castigates quote-unquote anti-vaxxers, even NBC is admitting there are side effects to the coronavirus vaccine. The side effects include fevers, headaches, joint pain, fatigue, which if, if you know anybody who's had the coronavirus, uh, that's basically what it feels like, right? That's so I think for a lot of people who are young and healthy, who are not at an extreme risk of, say, hospitalization or death, they're thinking, why would I get that? When vaccines usually take years and years and decades and decades to make, why would I be the first guy in line for a vaccine that was made in six months? That's a prudent approach. That's a, an approach that takes account of risk. And it's not tinfoil hat wearing right wingers who are taking that approach. It's healthcare workers in New York and California. Makes perfect sense. And frankly, what, what DeSantis is doing is pretty smart, prioritizing people who need it and uh, allowing the state to stay open and allowing people to go live their lives. And I suspect if states had taken that approach for the past several months, the elections would have turned out differently. Maybe that's why they didn't take that approach. Maybe that's why they locked down everything and everyone and totally changed voting procedures in some states in violation of the state constitutions. Maybe that's why. Maybe this is all just a really, really big power grab. Fighting back against it's going to help DeSantis if, he, if he's running in 2024, which it looks like he is. Another guy that's clearly running in 2024, at least as of now, is Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley is taking... Uh, He's taking the fight to the Senate on the certification of the ballots. He's positioned himself as what you might call a common good conservative. Same kind of thing. He's, he's upending the kind of libertarian orthodoxy that became fashionable for the last 15 or 20 years. And he's saying, nah, there's a deeper conservative tradition here. And that whole fiscally conservative, socially liberal, uh, and really what you're saying is fiscally libertarian, socially liberal uh, voter group, they don't really exist. So I'm going to forget about that. I'm going to run as a more traditional conservative. That guy's doing pretty well. And the way you can tell he's doing well is that Antifa is trying to kill him and his family. So the other night, Josh Hawley's house is attacked by Antifa. These lunatics are screaming in bullhorns. They're banging. They're trying to bang down the door. This is where Hawley's wife lives. This is where Hawley's children sleep. Very, very bad stuff. And every one of those goons should be thrown in prison and have the key thrown away for doing that sort of thing. Imagine doing that, terrorizing a guy's wife and children. So Hawley comes out and says, these Antifa scumbags were terrorizing my kids. Well, this is how the Washington Post reports on it. Quote, Senator Josh Hawley says Antifa scumbags terrorized his family's Virginia home. Police called the protesters peaceful. The protesters, peaceful, what protesters, banging on some guy's door in the middle of the night, that's not peaceful. Screaming at his kids through bullhorns, that's not peaceful. Uh, this is the same Washington Post, by the way, that says that uh, 
that Jacob Blake was an unarmed black man shot by the police, right? So you, you can tell how reliable they are. Uh, I don't really know that much about Hawley. I haven't, I just haven't looked into him that much. I don't know him personally. I've never spoken to him. Uh, but one mark in his favor is that you, you know a guy by his enemies. <laughs> and if, if Josh Hawley's enemies are the Washington Post and Antifa, if they think he's such a threat that they're going to go over there and try to knock down his door, well, I, I suppose that's a mark in his favor. So what do we do now? What do we do now? 2024 is still a little while away, I guess. Who knows? Maybe President Trump would run in 2024, assuming things don't work out today. Well, assuming things don't work out today, assuming Hawley and and Cruz and the other senators and the congressmen do not overturn the Biden transition, we really, really need to undermine Kamala Harris. We mentioned yesterday this story that Kamala told of, uh, of how she was, uh, a little child and she was taken to a a protest and she fell out of her seat, you know, and, and then she was asked, what what is, what is she there for? And she says, freedom, freedom. That's the story that she was told. Right. And, uh, but it's not true. She stole it from Martin Luther King. (laughs) How do you steal from Martin Luther? It was an interview that King gave to Playboy. Well, it turns out Kamala has used this story a lot. She used it on book TV on C-SPAN, she's used it in Elle magazine. She's used it all the time. She is a shameless and professional liar. And I think one thing you could see is a lot of gaslighting, a lot of uh, people telling you there's no question about election integrity. No, mail-in votes are wonderful. And no, there's no question. We shouldn't have any voter ID. And no, we need election season. We'll keep, don't, we're going to take a pause on counting the votes tonight, but we'll get you the results in three weeks when we, when we figure out exactly how many ballots we need. There's a lot of gaslighting. We're going to need to stand our ground. This is not the time to go squishy. All right, that's it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. She would look down at me and Kamala, what do you want? What do you want? And I looked back up at her and I said, freedom. (laughs) (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production assistant, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental. And that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listen.